Welcome to 30 Minutes of Growth, the all-action, all-growth marketing podcast that's all within half an hour. It features three segments with three playbooks you can use right away. And I'm your host, Alex Garcia. So let's do this. We all know this, that growth is the number one priority for e-commerce brands. And that's where Yachtpo steps up. Supporting brands like Culture Kings and Steve Madden, their platform offers data-driven solutions like Yachtpo, SMS Bump, the top SMS marketing app in the Shopify app store. Sounds good, right? So hop over to yachtpo.com and get a free demo right now. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes of Growth. It's Alex Garcia. What I want to talk about in this episode is what I call the affinity ladder. And this, what I'm referring to here is brand affinity and how to develop brand affinity and, and why you should develop brand affinity. But to understand brand affinity, you have to understand how to take someone from an unaware individual to aware to then bring them along the way to uh, developing brand affinity. And this is something that I think is overlooked. You know, every uh, you don't really talk or hear people talking about developing brand affinity or the importance of def- brand affinity. So in this episode, what I want to discuss is not only why it's important, but how you can develop it, where you can develop it, and and why each you know different channels play important roles in developing brand affinity. And then also talk about examples of individuals, brands that have have either paid and acquired, you know, an asset that comes with brand affinity or into other individuals building a brand on the back end of their affinity. And if you haven't read this, I would say this is a great, this is the the playbook that kind of like changed my thought process and, and how I viewed the difference between brand awareness and brand affinity. And that was the Wistia, I think it's like Wistia's playbook to brand affinity. Yeah, the Brain Affinity Marketing Playbook. If, if you haven't read that, I I highly suggest you you just take, I think it's like probably take you 10 minutes to read it, but you're going to take a ton of notes. It's going to open your eyes to something. And hopefully this, this podcast episode will also open your eyes to something that's very important, aka Brain Affinity. So the ladder of affinity refers to the stages in the customer journey that you take someone from awareness to affinity. Um, if awareness is someone that is, you know, they know of your brand, Affinity is someone that loves your brand, right? These are the advocates. These are the super fans, the evangelist. But how do you take someone from unaware to super fan to an evangelist, right? That, that's the magic question. How do you, you know, everybody talks about word of mouth being the most powerful marketing tool in the world, but how do you supercharge that? How do you actually develop that? That happens over time and that happens on the back end of affinity. And so, yeah, the way to do that is through developing the ladder of affinity, and this ladder is relevant to you know using different channels and mediums effectively to progress an individual from aware to affinity. This is why I believe it's vital for brands to build an in-house media team or a media arm because then you're able to build around this affinity ladder. You know, instead of hiring an agency and trying to have an agency you know build out content for you etc an agency is not going to know your your customers your audience the problems etc that you can create content around but for an affinity ladder to to start it starts with micro content and working your way up to binge worthy content uh, there's this phrase by or this this quote by Jeff Bezos that I think sums it up very well. And it says, when we win a Golden Globe, it helps us sell more shoes. Uh, Wistia also has a great quote that I love that says, brain affinity is driven by advocacy and not awareness. So there are really five 
things I want to talk about that are going to help give you like this, this playbook to developing brand affinity and help you look at media and content through a different lens than just short form content and long form content and understanding what these pieces of content actually do to a consumer, what they help you achieve outside of just awareness and outside of just, oh, somebody watches, you know, on average is watching 50% of this video. You, you want to understand what this does. So the, the five things we're going to go over is social media, email, podcasts, shows or binge-worthy content. When I say shows, I'm thinking like hot ones by complex and binge-worthy content could be, you know, a YouTuber who vlogs, right? Like that's binge-worthy content. And the last being community. So we're going to start with social. So the thing with social that I don't think people understand is, or that they don't, a lot of people misunderstand is that they think they could create affinity on social. But in reality, social media is a top of funnel engine. It's an awareness engine and specifically platforms like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter, they're really only used or their primary reason for use is for discoverability, right? It helps you get discovered by millions of people. And that's like the beauty of, of social media. You could reach anybody in this world using, you know, a social channel. The only platform outside of, you know, the ones I just listed and I'm, I forgot to say LinkedIn, but the only platforms that break this barrier is, is YouTube. You know, YouTube, you can, people go to YouTube to binge content. But, you know, social media is amazing. It's free. It helps people discover you. The content travels uh, and it helps you build a very large audience. But the thing it doesn't help you with is build super fans. Instead, it really helps you build that base to then create super fans. And the reason why I say, you know, it doesn't help you build super fans is because there's three reasons why. So the first is people are consuming micro content, meaning like, like a, a one line tweet or a quick photo on Instagram, or a quick reel on Instagram or TikTok. And it doesn't mean that these micro pieces of content don't make an impression, but there's like, it's just little micro interactions, little micro uh, impressions, which results in not even like affinity. It's, it's almost resulting in micro awareness to at some point, you know, over time, over maybe a hundred different interactions, you start to create a little bit of micro affinity. But the thing is, the majority of the time, the people that go on these platforms, they aimlessly scroll, your content shows up, and then they consume it and move on, right? So when you look at this from, from like the outside view, you know, these people aren't choosing to consume your content. They are in the sense that they are following you or they're choosing to follow you. So yes, you could argue that they're, they're choosing to consume your content. But what I mean is, your the algorithm or when you post decides when you're showing up on someone's platform and so they're ending up on instagram and they're just you know ju they're just scrolling they're not there to search for your content they're not there to sit and only consume your content in many ways the platform is feeding them a piece of their your content they consume it for let's say a few seconds to possibly a minute and then they move on to the next piece of content but you know, with that negative, there are positives and you can't argue these benefits. The first one is it's the genesis of infinity. It's where people can discover you. It's where someone in Belgium can find my Twitter and start consuming my, my marketing content. That's the beauty of, of social media. The second is content travels. People click one button, right? And they could share your content to their best friend. They could retweet it. They could save it. And all of a sudden, the, the impressions just add up. 
add up. And so at that point, one post overnight can reach millions of people if it catches wind. And because of that, the, the, the net continues to widen really fast. So like there, there are many benefits to social media. But when you really look at individuals trying to build brands on the back end of their social media uh, accounts, I mean, there's almost like a ceiling that they hit. And again, let's not include YouTube when I'm talking about this and I'll, and I'll break down why in a few minutes. But a lot of people on the back end of social media, they could build individual brands that are making one to $5 million in revenue. Some could get in that five to 10 million in revenue, which is, don't get me wrong, that is amazing. But when we continue down this ladder of affinity, you'll see that on the back end of other forms of content, you can build a massive business, bigger than some startups. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. But the main benefit of social media is that it's the perfect bridge to more. Social media is this awareness engine, and on that the back end of that awareness engine, there's there are going to be the people that want more of you. They want more content. They want more of the things that you deliver. And that's what makes social media perfect is because you're able to bridge those individuals to other places like your podcast, your newsletter, your YouTube series, et cetera, right? If you look at my follower account on Twitter, it's at like 130,000 or maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. On the back end of that though, I've been able to bridge. I mean, I wouldn't say the full number is, is this, but around there, I've been able to bridge 30,000 people over to my newsletter. On the back, end, I would say Twitter is the, the number one acquisition engine for, for marketing examine. So I'm able to bridge people over from that. So when you look at that, you know, that's a, a, a large percent of people that I'm able to bridge over that because those are the individuals that want more. They want more content than just a small little interaction that they get on their Twitter feed of, you know, a quick tip or even a thread, right? Like a, a longer form piece of content. And because of that, when you think of building or creating content on social media, look at it as an awareness engine and as a bridge. You discover people and then a percent of you get a percent of those people to follow you to a different channel. Don't only rely on social media to be the engine that you're gonna use uh, to fuel growth. The second thing on the affinity ladder is email. And I see this more so as, you know, like a newsletter in the sense of like the hustle morning brew or even individuals building amazing newsletters like like Packy McCormick with Not Boring is email is like this extension of social media. It's it's taking like your small thoughts that you, you put out on a social media like LinkedIn or Twitter and turning them in, into these uh, long longer form pieces of content, right? Like these five minute reads, these 10 minute reads. Um, and even, you know, could be a little bit longer, but where this, the affinity strengthens is now someone is choosing to consume your content. And if you do it right, you set up a cadence, you're almost taking your newsletter and making it as if it's like a show, right? The same way somebody would sit down to watch. I don't know why I always use this example because I'd never watch a show, but like the bachelor, the bachelorette on Tuesdays or Thursdays and they're, and you know, they're like, okay, on Thursdays. I'm going to sit down at 9, 9 p.m. with my glass of wine and I'm going to watch The Bachelor. When you do the same thing with, you treat your newsletter as the same, the same take as like, is a show, 
you're able to create this, this almost like schedule in the consumer's mind where they expect your content. They make it part of their daily habit. Someone that does this very well is, is 2 PM, right? Like they, they drop their newsletter at 2 PM. Uh, I'm not sure if it's like central time or Eastern time, but that is one of the, the benefits of building out a newsletter. It's like you're building this, this like tighter affinity engine. So what are some examples that have been very successful doing this is, is, you know, Packy McCormick with not boring. I think he'll probably hit 10 million in, in revenue on the back of his not boring newsletter. Would he do that if it was just, just his social following? No chance, right? Like it's, it's very hard to hit $10 million in revenue on the back end of, of just, for example, his Twitter account. So when, when sponsors are purchasing ad slots in, in his newsletter, in reality, they're purchasing affinity. People, they're purchasing the fact that people, the people that consume not boring trust Packy and they they trust his takes. Right on the other end, there's Morning Brew. Morning Brew was acquired for $75 million cash from Business Insider. Again, they're purchasing brand affinity. Um, the same thing goes for the hustle. I think they, you know, they were acquired in probably the range of $25 to $30 million. Same thing by HubSpot. That's on the back end of people are HubSpot's paying for the affinity. They want to have that, not just, you know, everybody talks about having just this like own distribution channel where they get to HubSpot gets to place ads, et cetera. Yes, that's very important. But the thing is that they're they're buying the affinity, the the these individuals that on a daily basis want to consume the hustle. It's their go-to resource for XYZ. And if you can infuse yourself into somebody's routine, you are getting to that spot, that sweet spot where you're building a super fan or you're building this, this, the possibility of a super fan. That's why I love email specifically newsletters is because an email infuses itself into an individual's daily routine. And if you create an expectation, then you meet that expectation over and over again, and you're getting someone to consume your newsletter at week in and week out, you're on your way to building that super fan. I mean, for example, the hustle was able to build trends on the back end of their daily newsletter, you know, an eight figure brand on the back end of a daily newsletter. So this podcast is all about growth. That's why I'm hearing great things about how Yapo is driving growth for brands. Their e-commerce marketing platform is already helping names like Culture Kings and Steve Madden strengthen their customer relationships. With data-driven solutions for SMS, loyalty, reviews, and more, Yapo fully integrates with all the tools you already use like Google and Meta. Even better, it's available on all major e-commerce platforms like Shopify, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, Adobe Commerce, and BigCommerce. If you're like me, you're going to want to find out more. So head over to yapo.com today for a free demo. So the next thing I want to talk about, and these two go hand in hand, these two types of content to me are peak affinity. And that's why I'm going to go through examples on both. But again, to me, both of them are like peak affinity and, and really what I believe develops the super fan. And especially in this day and age, if, if you look at the examples, they have the most, like the wildest examples comes from these two types of content. So the first one being podcast. And the reason is this, you're reaching peak affinity when people make your content a part of their routine, a part of their habits. If you think of a podcast, that's when you're getting someone to sit down and they choose to listen to your hour long podcast. Or if it's binge worthy content, this is someone choosing to watch your 20 minute YouTube video or show or vlog or whatever it is. So here's where you can build a brand, launch a product and have tremendous success on the back end of that. This is someone 
you know, if it's a podcast and that's what we're going to cover now is with a podcast, that's, you could have someone essentially, uh, you're in their ear for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It, in Joe Rogan's case, like that could be two hours. I was just listening to the podcast with, uh, Jocko, the ex Navy SEAL and Dr. Andrew Huberman, their podcast was five hours. Like that is absurd. And I think it already has 150,000 views. So, you know, to say that, that long form content is dead. Yeah. There's no chance, you know, people's attention spans are just becoming, they want better content. It's like the barrier to entry for, for content has become so low that people are almost like subconsciously or, uh, trying to find the best content, the content that they want to consume. So it's very easy to consume micro content, which therefore that's why earlier I'm talking about it being awareness engine and in search for good content, that's long form content that then creates the affinity. This is where you create the super fans. So podcast is that, you know, creating a podcast, you know, right now, if someone's listening to this episode, you know, we're 20, nearly 20 minutes in. And so with that, that's someone choosing to spend 20 minutes of their day listening to me talk about, you know, a certain topic. And that's, that's valuable. Being in someone's ear for 20 minutes, it's almost like they get to know you, they get to understand you, they get to know your personality, and they feel like they can connect with you, right? They're, they feel like they share the same values and the same ethics as you. And that's why they, they like to consume your content on a regular basis. And I'll go in, I'll even share examples of myself and the, and the content I like to consume on a daily basis. And why I then purchase from their brands. But let's look at some of these examples, which is crazy to look at these numbers and then think this is just content, right? Like from an outside lens. But if you really look at it, these brands are paying for brand affinity. So the first one is Spotify paid $60 million for the show Call Her Daddy. That's $60 million. That That is insane. And then, you know, in 2020, Spotify inked a deal with Joe Rogan. That was reported at, at originally 100 million and if you look at new articles that came out this year in uh, February the deal was actually reported to be worth 200 million dollars there are startups that will never reach that valuation bill simmons the ringer was sold for nearly 200 million dollars while he still owned 51% of the business another is amazon acquired wondery the podcast network behind hit shows like dirty john dr death and over my dead body Reportedly, that deal was worth more than 300 million shows. Um, if you want to see a business that's doing this well, it's HubSpot. HubSpot created the HubSpot. This sounds like an ad for a second. HubSpot created the HubSpot podcast network, and they've acquired 25 different shows, all different shows that drive revenue for HubSpot. So the, the thing to take from this is these companies are trying to purchase the affinity of, of these individuals. For HubSpot, this is they're acquiring all these different shows because they they have, let's say, millions of downloads every month, and these are all, all people that are choosing to infuse these podcasts into their daily routine. Of course, there's every you know every month there's going to be an onslaught of new people that are discovering these these shows, but with something like a podcast, something like a, a YouTube show, these people come back week after week to consume these podcasts because these podcasts are now becoming a part of their routine. And on the back end of that, then you could, you know, for HubSpot specifically, you could sell them, you could sell them CRM, you could sell different products. So for HubSpot, you're right, creating the HubSpot podcast network is, is, is an area where they're going to generate millions of downloads every single month. On the back end of those downloads, these are people that are 
choosing to listen to the show, for example, on a Wednesday or on a Thursday. They've infused this into their routine. This has become something that they look forward to every single week, right? An episode drops, they want to listen to it. For HubSpot, they get to advertise on the back end of this. They get to advertise. It's not just about, I feel like this is a misconception. It's like, it's not just because their audience is similar, right? These The individuals listening to these shows could be interested in HubSpot, right? And HubSpot software. No, it's the fact that these individuals, their audience is an audience that continuously comes back. They trust the host. They love the host. They love the content that they talk about, what they talk about, how they talk, right? Their personality traits, et cetera. And they come back week after week to listen to their content. On the back end of that, there are so many possibilities, right? That's why when Joe Rogan has a podcast and he talks about a specific product, you see spikes, you look at Google Trends and you see a, a, a massive spike on the back end of a Joe Rogan episode, right? And then people take, for example, take that clip, they run it as an ad because they understand that there's affinity built into that, you know, a specific uh, weightlifting product. They could take a clip from Joe Rogan's podcast, run an ad behind it, and they understand that that there's affinity built out there. And so on the back end of that affinity, you could have a very successful ad. I know people that have done this and it's been very successful that their podcast has been featured. They know that that holds weight and they run an ad behind it. Outside of podcasts, the next thing, again, there's a very low barrier to entry for podcasts. So I, it's easy to produce. It's hard to create very stellar top tier content that then you could do this on the back end of. Now, one that gets overlooked heavily, which is the, the fourth piece to this puzzle, to the ladder of affinity. And it's something that I think more brands are going to be doing over the, over the next few years is creating shows or binge-worthy content. This means content that's like in the range of 10 minutes plus, right? 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes plus. It's kind of that sweet spot for a long-form content. You know, with content that long, you're able to tell the whole story. You're able to have a full conversation. You're able to really get the consumer to buy into what you're doing. And so the first example that I want to talk about is Hot Ones. I don't know if you've ever watched this show, but this is one of my favorite shows to watch. It's, it's an interview show, right? People talk about interview, or I've, I've seen a few tweets lately about like interview, interviews being dead, like that form of content being dead. But when you switch it up, you have a good way of doing the interview, completely different. So with Hot Ones, it's two individuals, the host and let's say Kevin Hart, because this is an actual episode. The host, uh, Sean Evans, interviews Kevin Hart. As the interview progresses, they eat progressively hotter wings. So like with different hot sauces on the wings. So it's like this hilarious interview show. And on the back end of, of this show, they did $7 million in revenue in 2019 selling hot sauce and hot sauce bundles, which is insane. It's a 20-minute show. It has millions and millions of views. Every episode gets millions and millions of views. Every episode probably lasts like 20-plus minutes. And then last year, they became an eight-figure brand on the back end of the show. This was one of, one of the first examples a few years ago when I was, when I was thinking about this was hot ones and, and how I was just watching them. Like every time I watch an episode, I want to eat or I want to try their wings or I want to try the, the hot sauce bundles and more and more to the fact that I bought it. Right. So like it's, it was on the back end of this binge worthy content. You know, another great example is Mr. Beast, you know, on the back end of his channel, he launched Mr. Beast burgers, which some, another 
just insane stats was within 48 hours, it was number one on the app charts and it did over 15 million in revenue within those first 48 hours. And it didn't stop there. Like I, I, um, that is, of course, that is a nine figure brand might eventually become a 10 figure brand, you know, on the back end of Mr. Beast's YouTube channel. On top of that, then he launched his chocolate bars and within 72 hours, it sold 1 million chocolate bars and they made over 10 million in sales in the first 72 hours. Again, insane. It's, 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 it's getting people to sit down, consume your content and make it a part. And I'm sorry, I'm going to hammer this home, but it's making it a part of their routine. It's not just looking at numbers. It's, it's getting these individuals to want to consume your content on a Saturday, right? Or on a Thursday, they get excited that they, they see a new piece of content pop up on their YouTube feed or on their podcast feed. Another insane example is this kid, Ryan Kaji. He's like the YouTuber who's like generated the most, the most money of any YouTuber through the platform. Nine year, I, I think he's, he's either nine or 10 now, but according to The Guardian, he'd made an approximately $30 million per year from unboxing and reviewing toys and games on YouTube. Insane. But here's the craziest part. That's what he was known for, right? Is reviewing toys and games on YouTube. On the back end of that, then he released his entire range of toys and clothes and that generated an additional $200 million from his clothing and toys line. Of course, you know, he's nine years old. He, his parents are helping. But still, on the back end of Brain Affinity, you know, your, your content's making you $30 million a year. But on the back end of that, he generates $200 million from clothing and a toys line. I'll give you a you know real world example for me, which is here in Austin, there's this YouTuber, Nick Bear, who owns B- BPN Supplements. So if you don't know this about me, I, I played college football. I competed in Olympic weightlifting. Now I'm getting into CrossFit. And so, you know, for me, training is a, or training, working out is a big part of my life. It's something that I, I love and I look forward to every single day. And because of that, I consume Nick Bear's content religiously on YouTube. I would say I started consuming it probably six to eight months ago, YouTube. And now it's to the point where I'm excited when he drops an episode every week. And when he does drop an episode, I nearly drop nearly anything that I'm doing to watch the episode or I make sure to schedule it into my calendar to watch his episode. Not only that, right? He I'm, That was the, the reference of how he's built brand affinity with me. I've, I'm a super fan and an evangelist for his, his YouTube channel. Not only his YouTube channel, I have bought in his supplements because of his YouTube channel, because of his content, because every week he takes me, you know, he, he, for example, now he's training for a marathon in Buffalo, New York, and he's created a YouTube playlist where he shares all of his training for his marathon prep in Buffalo, New York, right? 20, 25 minute episodes and where he dissects everything he's doing, why he's doing it, how he's eating, how he's training, what supplements he's taking, why he's taking those supplements. And on the back end of that, BPN is now one of the top supplement companies. And I think they're they're doing on the verge of, of 50 million a year. And all it BPN started as was Nick Bear's YouTube channel. He he was vlogging. I think when he was like in, in the military, he was vlogging 
his just journey to building a supplement company and was doing that for like six, seven years. And then, you know, it was just over time. It grew, grew, grew. And now on the back end of his YouTube channel, he's built a $50 million company, which is BPN. So what we've talked about so far is how do you take someone from being unaware and turning them into a super fan that's starting with social media, bridging them to emails or an email newsletter, bridging them to then a podcast or a YouTube show or binge-worthy content. And the last part is how do you turn them into evangelist? And this is this is a buzzword, but it is true. And that is building a community for these individuals to talk to themselves, whether that is Discord. You know, this is all dependent on on your demographic and, and where they like to hang out. But is whether this is Discord, whether this is a Slack community, a Facebook group, a circle group, it is getting these individuals to talk to each other. You know, I think one of the best brands that has done this and is one of the best examples to this day is Harley Davidson and, and Jeep too. But Harley Davidson, I mean, they, they dress similarly. They put on events where like Harley Davidson riders will meet somewhere and they'll ride for like a hundred miles, right? Like they, they, they come together and they, they interact with each other. And that is how you can take someone from being unaware to a super fan, to an evangelist is the last ingredient to this recipe of, of an affinity is creating the community where these individuals want to interact with each other and become evangelists for, for your brand. So the main takeaways that I want you to take from this episode is that social media is the beginning of, of it all. Social media is where you can start building this new relationship and find new people, people that will be interested in you, your values, what you bring to the table, what you talk about, what you film around, right? It's see it as an awareness engine. So when you are creating content that's for social media, understand why you're creating it. And that is to reach more people. That is to find new people is to cast a very wide net and just catch a few people and keep doing that process and to make sure that you use it as a bridge to the second thing, which is email, email newsletters. This is where you start to become a part of someone's routine. They start to give you a little bit of their time every day or every week or every two weeks, right? Depending on the cadence of, of your newsletter, but you are becoming a part of somebody's routine. And that is the beginning of affinity, right? It's like affinity is also this has a relationship with time. Most newsletters are in that range of like two to five minutes. So it's not like that person is really able to to build this relationship with you and understand your personality, et cetera, that, yeah, there's a little bit with like somebody's uh, voice, like brand voice and how they write, but there are a percentage of people that consume your newsletter that, again, they want more. And that's where you create a podcast. That is where you create a YouTube show. That is where you you understand that you are now trying to build super fans, people that know when you drop in episode, like, they want to watch it. They want to sit down and watch it. They want that your content has now become a part of their routine. And the last portion is with all of this, you want to create evangelists. This is the people that are going to fuel word of mouth. And that is done by creating a community where they can interact with each other. There's an identity of the individuals that that are in that community. And it is hard to build. I'm trying to build one now with growth marketing exam. And it's hard to build, but on the back end of a community is a lot of success. So guys, I really hope you like this episode. Uh, I'm going to be writing about this 
and I'm going to create a playbook on the back end of this. This is the, what you're hearing now is like, is kind of like the basis of that article, but I'm going to want to put a lot of takeaways and examples in that. So I appreciate your time. If you listen to this, I really appreciate it. And I, I always appreciate you guys listening. So everybody have a great day. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to 30 Minutes of Growth. If you want to hear more all action growth insights, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast so you can hear our next episode first.